welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, uh, hi, I'm Chuck. I'm a grateful recovery flexaholic. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, uh, to be invited to be on a call this morning. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really grateful to, to be able to share in recovery. I was... Uh, I was reflecting this morning about uh, I had a, a friend of mine who had just hit a new bottom in his life, and I was remembering as he was sharing just what it was like for me when I was uh, when I was acting out. Um, I, I remember uh, the, the term pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Um, Bill Wilson talks about in, in the big book uh, that quicksand of, of uh, self-pity that stretched around in all directions and uh man that really described uh described my my experience uh, getting to the to the bottom of my disease um i had a i had a what we would probably call pretty typical uh um i, I guess experience coming into essay i was i was uh you know struggling with acting out uh heard all sorts of different uh uh opinions on it, whether that was just not getting enough or, you know, that it would just, it would be okay once I, uh, uh found uh, the right partner. Um, and, uh, and those were, those were also things that fed into my, my sort of sick thinking, uh, just thinking that it was like, okay, this is normal. And, um, but deep down, I always knew there was something weird, something different about me. I always had this feeling that like other people, um, seem to have their life together and I just couldn't quite get there. And so that led me to that feeling of, of inadequate and worthy alone and afraid, you know, never matching what was going on inside with what I see, what I saw on the outside of other people. Um, I ended up seeing a therapist because I was getting severely depressed uh, who suggested I, I, I start looking at essay meetings and I would love this story to start off with like, yeah, I found essay and I just immediately got sober. Um, that was not the case for me. Uh, I had to spend about a year and a half in the program, um, uh, continuously relapsing, uh, never getting more than about, uh, 20 days of sobriety. I think I had 30 days of warmth in that year and a half. Um, and I think maybe just for, for others who are in the scene, I'll just briefly say, I believe why that happened. Um, uh, a couple of a couple of things have been really impactful as far as my my recovery work went. And the first was, um, you know, I, I got in the program. I had to think about a sponsor that I should probably get one. And um, and so I, I asked a gentleman who uh, who I knew would let me do the one thing that I desperately wanted to do, which was to be in a dating relationship. I was single and I was just desperate to get married. Um, uh, and um, uh, yeah, and so I didn't want to have a sponsor who would tell me I couldn't, I couldn't get married, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't date. So uh, I asked this gentleman, and he was uh, very kind enough to sponsor me and uh, and share with me his experience. And 
uh, would always encourage me by saying, like, you know, you just need to find the right person. Uh, you, you need to go out and experience good dating relationships, and that will help you to feel better about yourself. And um, unfortunately for me, that just fed right into my disease because I thought, you know, the solution was out there, that if I could just find the right person, I would be okay. Um, and that's ultimately, like, you know, what talks about that connection that Roy really mentions uh, in you know, over and over again in the white book, seeking out that real connection. Um, that's that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that real connection with another person, uh, something that would make me feel whole, make me feel complete, give me that sense of ease and comfort um, that I, w- I really wanted so I could be okay. Um, as uh, as I continued uh, going through the step work with uh, with my sponsor, I, I believe there was one other thing that, that happened there was that I – I really hated this idea of God. Um, some people seem to be able to get this uh, higher power idea uh, pretty easily. I, I was not one of those people. Uh, I, um, there is, a, I think it says in the big book, that the idea of God erased a certain antipathy. Um, I, I, I just hated God. I didn't, I didn't have any sort of desire to have a relationship with him. If there was a God, I thought uh, he, that whatever that being was, was just pure evil. And, uh, and I didn't want to have any sort of relationship with that higher power. And so, um, you know, my sponsors <clears throat> suggested that we just move on to the next step uh, and kind of skip over step two. Um, and uh, um, so consequently, for the next year and a half, I continued to descend deeper and deeper into my disease, uh, you know, <clears throat> ruining that, a relationship with the woman that I was I asked to marry me. Um and consequently, I did it so badly that uh, she told me she never wanted to speak to me again <clears throat> uh, for any reason. Uh, and, uh, and at that point, I hit my I hit what I would like to call my bottom. Uh, I was really thankful that the guy who sponsored me at that point suggested that I uh, that I find another sponsor. I was I was chronically suicidal. I had made a plan on how I was going to kill myself, uh, and uh, was was at that point where I, I, I had no idea how to live anymore. I, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know how I was going to make it through the day. I thought I was, if, I thought I was possessed. Um, I remember thinking that, you know, like I just, I can't control myself. I must be the most worthless human being that has ever walked the face of the earth. Um, and so, yeah, my sponsor said, you know, you should, uh, you should go, you should find another sponsor. And uh, it just so happened that that year I was at the 2015 Portland International Essay Conference, and like a like a real sexaholic, I acted out the night before the conference started, um, and uh, and showed up to the conference with less than 24 hours of sobriety. Uh, I didn't tell anybody uh, because I, I just was so ashamed. Um, they usually like they'll have all the members at one of those conferences like sign a white book and give it to the person with the least amount of sobriety. But I didn't want to tell anybody that I had less than than everybody else there at that conference. And I just was I was so ashamed. Um, and, uh, and anyway, it was at that point that I found a sponsor who, uh, um, uh, who really showed me how to work steps. He wasn't somebody who I would have picked out of a crowd. I asked another guy, uh, to sponsor me. He said, no, I, I can't, but I do know of a guy who might take you. Um, and, uh, this gentleman, uh, goes by the name of Tim and Tim was an interesting guy for me. Uh, the reason I said I would have asked him to sponsor me is because, you know, I didn't think he had what I needed. Um, I, I expected my sponsor to be someone who is, you know, a college graduate, intelligent person, um, 
Tim was none of those things. He was a, uh, he didn't even graduate high school. Uh, he wore a leather vest and, uh, and had a big mustache and spoke very loudly. And, uh, I, I graduated from college and had the post, you know, post, uh, graduate degree. And, um, I just thought this guy probably has nothing that I need. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I just, I was so desperate. I was like, you know, this guy says he's been sober for seven years. You know, I'm wanting to kill myself. Um, he might have something I want, uh, and uh, I really put myself under under his uh, under his leadership and just started to uh, obey. Obey is a word for me that was really hard because I only obeyed when what he told me made sense to me. If it didn't uh, make sense to me, then I wouldn't obey you. Uh, and somebody once pointed that out that means I'm really just obeying myself, you know, because I will only follow directions if it makes sense. Uh, and, and I did do that uh, with, with Tim. I'm extremely grateful because many of the things in recovery didn't make sense to me at the time because I'm sick both bodily and mentally. Uh, and I needed to stop trusting my own thinking because that's, uh, that's where it got me. Um, I think that was really driven home with the fact when Tim told me, he said, you know, uh, Chuck, uh, you can just grab a random guy out of a taxi cab and, and, uh, and tell him to make decisions for you, and he would have done a better job. Um, and I remember just, uh, feeling cr- crushed when I could not argue with him on that point. Um, and just realizing that I had totally, uh, had failed at, at, at uh, running my life. So, uh, so I started to work steps with him and there were some things that he really emphasized. He emphasized this idea of praying, um, a lot, uh, you know, using those prayers in the back of the white book in the, in the overcoming lust and temptation, I'm powerless, please help me, praying for the person I'm lusting after, um, uh, you know, uh, giving like, God, uh, uh, I don't want any part of this lust, conscious, subconscious, I send way to you, come be victorious over my lust. Uh, and really just going to my higher power for that kind of uh, help, because I had been a part of a fellowship for a long time, but I hadn't been working the program. Uh, I believe I need both uh, in order to stay recovered. Um, I can't do one without the other. Uh, and so I had the fellowship, but I didn't have the program. And that was why I was I was really struggling. Uh, and as I went through the second step, I remember there was a really important point for me where my, uh, my sponsor had me just write down a list of characteristics, things I believed about my higher power. And uh, at that point, I wrote down just a lot of really terrible things uh, about what my higher power was like. And then, and then he had me write down a list of things that I, uh, I wanted, I wished a higher power would be like. And then, uh, and then he said, okay, now I want you to go through back to the first list and cross off everything that you don't like. And, um, and then, uh, uh, and then read off that list of characteristics to me, both the, the ones that you left uncrossed off in the first column and then everything in the second column. And I did that. He said, you know, this is your higher power now. Uh, you know, Bill Wilson showed that. Any sort of concept is enough to be in this process. And, uh, and that was it. And, you know, some of the things were just loving, you know, kind, always for the sexaholic, uh, you know, never judging. Uh, those were the things that I needed to believe. And I still believe today. Um, and that was, that was really important because when I took that third step, uh, my sponsor reminded me that I can't turn my will and my life over to a higher power that's hostile toward me. I just can't. If I believe my higher power is going to stab me in the back uh, the moment that I screw up, 
uh, I, I will not turn my will uh, over to to that being when when I'm pushed up against the wall and life gets hard. Um, so I continued to work the steps, and what was what was interesting is slowly over time things started to change. I started to become uh, realizing that you know the lust temptations weren't becoming as strong. I think there's one other one other show that's just briefly worth mentioning is that uh, I really I really wanted a relationship, and, and in the beginning of my my work with this the second sponsor, uh, I. Uh, uh, I, I was I was interested in a woman at work who had a who had another boyfriend, uh, and we were just hanging out. And I thought that was okay. We were going, you know, going out for for hikes and things like that. And my sponsor commented on it one day. He said, you know, hey, what, what's what's going on there? And I said, oh, nothing. You know, I'm just I'm just hanging out with this girl. And uh, and he really realized that 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 uh, that was a form of my lust. And uh, after I kept bucking him on it uh, a few times. He told me that I had to cut off uh, all contact with this woman who I worked with, uh, other than what I knew was necessary for me to do, um, you know, in order to work. And I, I just found that I was powerless over that. I couldn't do it. And so he had me actually go up to her at work and say, you know, I, I don't want you to contact me uh, outside of work. I want to keep our relationship strictly professional. Um, and I remember after that moment, I went into a stairwell and cried for about half an hour because uh, – yeah, I was just, I was so broken up about it. I didn't realize how much power that relationship had over me. Um, it was just, it was, yeah, it was intoxicating. And when I had to let it go, it was like I was letting a part of myself die. Um, uh, and then afterwards, uh, you know, it was, it was really hard at work, but I felt better. Um, and I slowly started to get more and more recovery. Um, I think it was at that point, uh, soon after that, that I started to, um, uh, start sponsoring other guys, and I think that was that was probably some place where I really started to feel recovery uh, come uh, into full swing. Uh, I need to be sponsored. I need to sponsor. Uh, I think you know I was, I was like the prospector who hit that gold uh, and uh, wanted to keep it all for myself. But my sponsor told me I had to give away if I wanted to keep uh, what I had, and I started to do that. And uh, what what I found was that as I continued to give it away. Um, that like what I would rework the steps every time each new sponsee that I picked up, uh, and that brought deeper truths out to me. Uh, it brought resentments forward that I, I forgot that I even had. Um, and I think uh, you know that uh, letting go of the resentments was, was kind of a big part of my of my recovery. I had written down my resentments before with my first sponsor, but uh, my second sponsor asked me to pray uh, for each person that was on the list. He talks about that, and uh, I think page 556 in the big book about praying for a person that you resent everything you want for yourself. And I remember I had to go through the list and do that for every person. And uh, there was one person I just really had a hard time letting go of the minute for, and that was my alcohol grandfather. Um, he just really abused my mother. and uh, it, was, it was a very difficult one for me. Uh, but I remember at one point in that, uh, during those prayers for, for the people that I resented, uh, I just realized that if it, if it wasn't for recovery, I could do the same thing that he did to my mom. Uh, and I started to weep at that point because I realized that I identified with everybody on the list that belonged to me um, and who I felt resentful toward that, like, I, I have done and could do anything that was on that list uh, in, in service of my disease. Um, and that was, uh, 
that was another big moment for me of just realizing that, you know, every person on this on this earth is one of my higher powers children. And my job is to be a maximum service to them and uh, and to others. Um uh into my into my higher power. Uh I think I'll just end with um uh, this last thing that happened. Um you know, recovery <clears throat> I believe kind of brings things back around and heals things that were broken. Um I uh I ended up um you know, one of the things that my disease cost me was an opportunity to go to uh to medical school. Um and uh and I I uh, I wasn't able to uh, complete applications because I was acting out so much. Um, uh, and uh, both with my girlfriends and uh, with uh, and with the internet. And uh, it ended up costing me a lot of money um, in that in that process. And I felt like the door was was permanently closed. And uh, when I picked up my one year chip in in SA, I I was. Uh, I was able to, and the, that same, that, the day before that happened, I, uh, I found out that I got accepted to a medical school and uh, get to get to become a doctor, which was something that I always wanted to do pre-recovery. Um, you know, so I, I see that, like, when when I look back on this, that recovery gives me everything that I ever wanted. Um, I, I've been in a relationship now for about a year and uh, some change, and thankfully my, my girlfriend has never seen me in my addiction. Um, I have been able to acquire a host of friends through our fellowship that just make a lot of joy in my life. Uh, I have friends on all the coasts, different countries, um, that I, that I would never have had it not been for SA. And, uh, I, I just, I'm not sufficiently grateful for the fact that I am a sexaholic and that I found sexaholics anonymous. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you guys for letting me share and, uh, we'll pass. Thanks so much, Chuck. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to essential distraction. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.